0: you're listening to phone booth fighting in full effect coming at you for another week myself richard hunter two-time ufc heavyweight champion frank mir our co-host and uh ricky Lundell, his head coach not with us uh for this segment not with us for this week ricky uh had to uh had to deal with some some physical issues. He had to go to. He wasn't the only. You know, I had a uh, an eye injury, Frank, a devastating eye injury. I had to deal with, and and now it's uh, stricken another one of our uh, a trio of a uh, uh, broadcast team. Ricky has to uh, get his shoulder looked at, so he's off uh, doing that. But we're broadcasting once again from Mirror Manor, uh, Frank. You uh, will just set the stage here while I was busy having my uh, my major laser eye surgery. You were off on a Disney cruise. You're back from that. Uh, No sooner did you get back from that, I found out somehow you ended up in New York City. You were there. And uh, you returned late last night, and uh, now we're taping the podcast uh, early in the morning because in a few hours you will leave to go to L.A., where you're going to be part of the Fox broadcast team for UFC 193, right? that has been kind of a busy uh, <laughs> yes. couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. What, 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 why were you in New York? I don't even know what was going uh,
1: on. It was a Veterans Day, and so the, the parade in uh, New York is a big one that they do, the Veterans Day Parade, for, uh, uh-huh. and um, uh, the, the, the wounded... Uh, uh,
0: soldier uh-huh. uh,
1: foundation that the UFC works with exclusively or you know with Oh uh,
0: Wounded Warrior Wounded Project Wounded Warrior sorry yeah. The,
1: yeah. the Wounded Warrior Project um uh, UFC works with and so they called a couple of us out and Harley Davidson and, and so uh, myself and Anthony uh, Johnson uh, you know rode bikes in the parade oh, just okay. you know, met, shook hands signed oh
0: us. I rumbled Johnson I saw that he Instagrammed a picture of a of a bike and I didn't get the connection I was kind of scrolling through it but that makes sense he was yeah. probably it was probably a shot of his bike he was riding or yeah He right?
1: loaned us a couple bikes and uh, we were able to you know go very slowly mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. basically keep letting the clutch out and then put your foot down
0: yeah well you know what if I were to ever ride a motorcycle that's that's the kind of situation you'd want me to ride it in, going very very maybe just in new. Did they have is a can a motorcycle be in neutral? It can't be in neutral. okay. Then I would probably just have that, and they could just push it or push it along behind <laughs> like
1: me, like the old uh, bike you get as a kid, where just the wheels, no pedals. Just yes,
0: <laughs> yes, that would uh, that'd be the motorcycle for me. So that's the deal. So we're uh, we're gonna squeeze in a uh, podcast. Oh, there's the lovely Mrs. Meer. Hello, she just walked in the door. Good to see she's still here. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we're squeezing in a podcast before Frank takes off for uh, UFC 193, which, by the way, of course, is this weekend. Ronda Rousey taking on Holly Holm in the main event over there in Australia. Frank didn't have to go all the way to Australia, but he's going to go to L.A. to be part of the uh, Fox Desk broadcast team. And uh, a little bit later on in the phone booth fighting podcast, we're going to tack on a couple of interviews with a couple of guys who are going to be on that fight card. They'll be fighting on the undercard, light heavyweight uh, Gian Vellante. He's taking on Anthony the Hippo Peroche. I'll be talking to him and also Danny Castillo, who's a Trent Cotney fighter. Of course, TrentCotney.com sponsors the Phone Booth Fighting Podcast, along with Real Water. Get real at DrinkRealWater.com. I, I should explain to people, Frank, because uh, it's been a number of weeks. By the way, our subscription numbers, I haven't had a chance to tell you this yet, are growing exponentially through the roof, like to the point we're about to have to upgrade the package on the podcast hosting. Cause I was like, I checked them this weekend. I was like, wow. We have fans, so uh, good sign there. Thanks to everybody for listening and spreading the word and uh, telling your your friends about it and uh, getting uh, growing this thing organically. But uh, I, I wanted to explain. Sometimes the reason we will tack interviews onto the end, people might wonder, well, why aren't you know why don't we have these guys calling in live? And we will do that sometimes. But a lot of times, their availability is limited. A lot of times, what happens is, and you know this. You've got a fight to promote. UFC makes you available for one hour or two hours, right. and every 15 minutes you're doing a different interview with somebody. So it's just that sometimes that doesn't necessarily sync up with, uh, with, with Frank's schedule or Ricky's schedule where we can all be together. I actually, to pull back the curtain, travel with a, a mobile recorder, and I can actually I, – sometimes I will record those interviews in my car driving down the road. I just plug some things in. And then I'm recording the call and talking to them on the Multitask. on the phone. That's right. So that's uh, some some hands free, of course, in State of Nevada hands free. But that's uh, some sometimes why we tack those interviews onto the end, and it's just me, um, just me talking to them. Okay. So uh, so let's let's start uh, with what's uh, up ahead this weekend. Of course, uh, uh, Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm. Just watched the UFC embedded uh, last night. They did a like a 45 minute version of that. I guess that they ran on uh, Fox that was very in-depth and I know you've been doing some uh, some homework and some research for uh for your role at the Fox desk this weekend. So uh, first thoughts, uh, Frank, on Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm. To me, there's a good reason why Ronda Rousey is a 16-to-1 favorite in this fight. If Holly Holmes, uh, Holly Holm has a, uh, a, a chance here, an advantage, it's going to be her length and her reach and her striking, but that means she's going to have to keep Ronda Rousey at the end of that jab for uh, 25 minutes yeah. and not 24
1: yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, um, stylistically, if you had to put out there and kind of put on paper a style that might, you know, pose mm-hmm. uh, Ronda Rousey issues, it's like, well, she's very aggressive, mm-hmm. very powerful striker right now, but she's, you know, not a counter striker. She's going to move forward and and come behind her punches and she hits, you know, hard. She's having knockouts now in the first round. And then when she grabs a hold of you, obviously her judo background, the bronze medalist uh, ability, she launches people through the air better than anybody else in the, in the woman's side. And then when she gets you down her arm bar is probably the best on both sides man or woman is one of the, the most devastating uh finishes that the ufc has or in mma right now and so if i had to sit there and go okay well, how do you beat this person well either a find somebody who's better at these facets of the sport than she is take her out of her element and you know that seems to be kind of hard to do at this point um maybe we can find somebody that's elusive and almost kind of like a uh, demetrius johnson style mm-hmm. you know build a hit and score and move out of the way and avoid and um, you know Holly Holmes on paper kind of appears to be that kind of opponent. The only problem I, I have with that thought process is that uh, just not enough power to do damage. I feel that it's one of those things where she has to. Pitch a shutout, a no-hitter. Just like you said, uh, 24 minutes of movement. If one second she stops moving uh, and, and being elusive, the fight's over with. Uh, she's going to be in a lot of trouble. And uh, you, with Demetrius, you know, for example, using him as a, you know, an archetype to try to sit there and say what style could possibly pose a threat to Ronda, um, he still knocks people out. He's mm-hmm. still able to submit people, and he's very devastating. And with Holmes, we see a lot of decisions where she peppers people and hits them and outscores them. But not doing a lot of damage, not hurting, not making a, discouraging my opponent from continuously to try to march me down to where it's like, well, if I overcommit, um, it's going to hurt, you know, like a Machida style, where yes, Machida extremely elusive, but he... If you run at him and just sit there and like, well, I'm just going to grab this guy, you're going to get knocked out for your effort. Um, Holmes has the great footwork and that element of angles and strikes. I just don't see that devastating ability to sit there and go, what keeps Ronda from just sitting there going, I'm just going to run up on you and and behind a couple punches and just mash you against the fence and rip you down. What threat do you pose as far as a knockout punch, a flying knee, whatever the case may be. Fighters have to have something that's like, well, I can't just throw caution to the wind and jump on this person because if I do, a b or c could happen and I, I keep looking through the list of what could happen if you just if we're if i was Rhonda's coach and i'm like look just come behind the jab sprint down the middle you know get in her face and grab her you know she might move around and pop you a few times but you know it's gonna be very much a very high output uh, a strategy on her part holmes having to take probably three or four more steps for every one step that Rhonda takes and, uh, and and really no threat. I mean, even though Holmes is a highly decorated boxer, very accomplished in that world. Um, if you had to sit there and, and I had to put money on who has the better knockout punch right now, as far as you know, I'm concerned, if I were to look at the fights, even though with the boxing pedigree of uh, Holmes, I, I would go with Rousey.
0: Well, you'd have to. I mean, just just in in terms of UFC knockouts alone. Ronda Rousey is pitching a shutout uh, in that advantage. I mean, Holly Holmes had a couple of UFC uh, fights. She's won them. But uh, even the fight with Raquel Pennington was somewhat in question. I mean, that was a semi-controversial decision. Uh, There was a fight,
1: a good example of Mm -hmm. Raquel Pennington as a very tough, aggressive fighter, very explosive hard hitter. And, you know, Holmes was able to outpoint her. But there was a couple times in that third round where Raquel was able to come in and land some shots. And, and, and you've seen afterwards Holmes' face had, uh, you know, uh, demonstrated the success that Raquel was able to start to, to achieve because the shots that Holmes landed never really took anything out of Raquel. Mm-hmm. Was she frustrated? Yeah. You know, the sidekick and the footwork and the jab and the combinations and the and angling out is hard to deal with. But it was like, okay, well, you got me. I'll go again. There was never a. Uh, a stunning moment where you have seen Raquel get you know rocked where it's like okay you know wow that hurt i don't want that to happen again you see frustration, absolutely, but you don't see uh, a deterrent of like, well, if you come after me, you know, like with Machida, I use that as a huge example because you know, he has a phenomenal straight left hand. Um, you can chase him, but you still have to be cautious because at any moment, he'll plant and fire that hand and it's knocked out world champions and mm-hmm. put them down. So yes, does the guy move a lot, but you can't just throw caution to the wind. Holmes hasn't demonstrated why you can't throw caution to the wind. And I'm not saying, you know, Ron is just go out there and test the, the theory. But uh, in 25 minutes, I, I again, like we're saying, she has to pitch a, a perfect uh, match. She has to not get caught, grab, clinch in 25 minutes. And this is MMA. That's just impossible.
0: Mm, yeah, it's going to be one of those situations where uh, Holly Holm probably is going to have a couple of, of quick, shots of opportunity when ronda closes the distance i mean that's time to get off one punch maybe two and uh, then once Rhonda gets a hold of you, that's where everything uh, is going to get switched up. We'll continue to talk about that as well as the co-main cool event and uh, some exciting stuff going on on this, this undercard. I mean, this, this is set to be the most well-attended show in UFC history. The attendance record currently sits at about 55,000, but this stadium over in Australia holds about 70. We'll talk about that and uh, also some big breaking news about a UFC legend that uh, suddenly retired but now we find out that may have something to do with being the first fighter to ever fail the USADA drug testing. We'll uh, get into all that next as we continue phone booth fighting. You're listening to phone booth fighting, brought to you by Real Water. Get real at drinkrealwater.com and also TrentCotney.com. One of Trent Cotney's fighters, Danny Martinez, is going to be joining us uh, here in uh, a little bit. He's on the undercard of that uh, the big Australian card, UFC 193, going down this weekend. Myself and Frank sitting here at uh, Frank's house, Ricky Lindell, not with us uh, on this segment, but Frank is uh, getting ready to go to LA in just a matter of hours to be part of the Fox broadcast team covering UFC 193 this weekend that goes down Saturday night exclusively on pay-per-view and live from Australia. We were just breaking down the main event, UFC Bantamweight champion Ronda Rousey taking on Holly Holm, a uh, Jackson Winklejohn product and uh, former champion boxer-turned-mixed-martial artist. And Frank, you know, as I was watching UFC 193 Embedded last night, uh, my girlfriend Jennifer was asking me, you know, first of all, she asked me, did I think Ronda was going to win? I said, yes. And she said, you know, is there any shot? And I said, well, I I think it's one of those situations where the fight probably lasts as long as uh, she can keep Ronda from getting a hold of her. Now, if you can keep Rhonda from getting hold of her for 25 minutes, maybe there's a chance you win. But as we were just talking about, it really would ta- it would take not only pitching a shutout, as as you said earlier, to use a, a baseball euphemism, it would take not only pitching a shutout, but that would also mean that Rhonda was shut out on striking. That would mean that, yeah. that over that 25 well, minutes, Rhonda was just a non-factor, and I just don't see how that can happen.
1: Well, the only way I can see that not occurring is if you sit there and if we had to use hindsight and if we're talking about a, a Holly Holmes uh, victory uh, come Sunday, Monday mm-hmm. you know, uh, morning, um, I think it's not because of anything exceptional she does that we don't think she's capable of, but I think it's because Rhonda, makes mistakes. She stumbles. Mm. And it has to occur that she somehow, because of a lot of the things going on in her personal life outside the octagon, somehow those things finally tripped her up and caused her to not perform at the level that we know Ronda. Right now, I think while we imagine this fight, we're imagining 95% Ronda versus a 95% you know, uh, Holmes, and mm. we're all sitting there going, well... 99 out of 100 times, we're going to take Ronda and mm-hmm. those statistics. Uh, that being said, you know, fighters are human. And um, we haven't really, that as far as I'm uh, knowledgeable, seen Ronda have to deal with so much controversy outside. You know, we've covered it. You, you brought up, you know, her mother and, and, and Edward her uh, her coach, the, the very public, you know, issue that's going on there, the now dating of, you know, you know Travis Brown's been made public and a lot of the turmoil he's had to deal with in his personal life, dealing with, you know, his former uh, 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 love interest. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot going on. And, you know, and you got to wonder when's the tipping point. You know, we've talked about the fact that Rhonda probably does more Than the average fighter would probably, or average coach would consider acceptable as far as the movies and the Mm -hmm. the traveling and the promotion, the publicity. And now you're going to add on all this other personal turmoil with mother, coach, boyfriend, pretty much every main aspect of her life. Her love interest in Travis has had controversy her mom who is a pivotal role in her life has had controversy and then and her head coach has had controversy leading yeah. up to this fight I mean everybody around her pretty much has been in the uh, media negatively uh, besides Ronda herself and you know so there is always that opportunity of a window where you know Holmes comes in there and moves around and we see somebody who's just mentally burnt out fatigued and a Ronda who doesn't have that same killer instinct um if that possibility were to occur then a Ronda, you know, Holmes coming out there throwing punches and moving and, and moving away from a lackluster or unmotivated Ronda. That's that is a feasible possibility that I've kind of put in my head. Going well, if Holmes were to win, how could it be? And and, and not to take nothing away from her being a great martial artist, but I think I would contribute to. Well, you know, it's not the first time it would happen that the champ doesn't show up.
0: It wouldn't be. It would just be the first time it's ever happened with her. Right. And that's the thing. She's always been the exception to this rule. And I I stopped probably two years ago at this point even questioning the, oh, well, she's got movie roles. Uh, She's got the outside things going on. Because for whatever reason, it seems like with her, not only does it not affect her in a way it does other fights, other fighters, seems to make her better. Yeah. I mean Dana White brought this point up on the the embedded episode last night that not only does she uh, you know, uh, win fights in in spectacular fashion—16 seconds here, 20 seconds there—but somehow she manages to go off, shoot a couple of movies, write a book, do all these other things, and then come back and be better. It's not even like she was just as good as she was before. Somehow now, uh, no, she's, absolutely agree. she's better. So, uh, you but know. I mean, if you had to
1: sit there and just be at devil's advocate and yep. it, sit there and go, you know, and I think all warriors, you have to sit there and go, okay, where would be my. Yeah. Where is my weakness in my castle? Where mm-hmm. where could the enemy come in from? And if I had to look at Rhonda, it's like, man, I mean, I know that this has been a strong suit of hers. But if you had to sit there and point at where it's coming from uh, outside the octagon has been a pretty rough uh, patch. The last yeah, couple of it, it has. And there's actually
0: a new twist to that uh, just since you and I spoke last week. Um, and and I was, I was talking to you about this before we went on the air and I, you had not seen the story yet, but, um, just in the last week or so, uh, news broke. I think bloody elbow had this, uh, first where I read it was that, uh, Edmund Taverdian, uh, Ronda Rousey's head coach at Glendale fight club has filed for bankruptcy. So he's he's filed for bankruptcy you know it happens people you know d- do that for various reasons sometimes it's just to uh you know shake off some old debt you might even not necessarily be out of money there's all kinds of restructuring that goes on but what's curious about it is apparently it was done back in July and uh the the court documents were just now noticed but uh it was done back in July but but on the bankruptcy he says that uh, one, he ha- he holds no interest in the Glendale Gym, which was surprising, I guess. I mean, I didn't know how that the whole structure of that thing worked, but I figured he was at least part owner. I
1: mean, that's a possibility that he's a coach and other people own it.
0: Yeah, right. That back it. Um, but maybe the most surprising thing out of it was that he he claimed in the the filing that he's had no income from the last couple of years, I believe it was, and that I mean that that would basically Say that Ronda Rousey did not pay you. That doesn't make any sense. No. And and it makes it, no sense. it says in the paperwork that he's married, that his wife has an income, and that um, all told they were uh, they were in the whole couple hundred bucks I think uh, each month uh based on her income and they've been living off of her income but but just the concept of it and i haven't seen Rhonda ask this this week uh in australia and i don't know if maybe somebody just hasn't gotten to it yet or what but you know uh, to me the the simple question for Rhonda is do you pay your coach yeah you know and uh I, she can either say no comment or uh or, or, or yeah,
1: more controversy i mean i guess yeah. it, uh, the only thing I can imagine that, that that that's going on here, and it's not going to very. It might work on a level where you're not noticed, and yeah. if you can sneak under the radar. Uh, Edmund's not in that uh, category where mm-hmm. he's going sneak under the radar, especially with Rhonda's mm-hmm. uh, uh, being who she is. Everybody she pays is going to be looked under under scrutiny. So if he, on paper, as Edmund, is not receiving an income. That probably means that he does what most people in our field uh, do: is he has a corporation, he's mm-hmm. incorporated, and um, you know, people pay the corporation. A lot of trainers, fighters, uh, myself, everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have you, you incorporate yourself. It's easier mm-hmm. to do with taxes mm-hmm. and uh, keep things uh, you know on the up and up, and that's the way it's looked at: is, is for the uh, being on the up and up and being clear. Yeah, you might have the uh, occasional individual that thinks that somehow they can sit there and and, and hide things. Um, and again, I can go back to if you're not famous, you might get away with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rhonda's famous; you can't really hide things around her.
0: I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's like you know, he she pays his corporation. He's saying, well, maybe I didn't draw a salary from right. it for then the last the corporation couple of years. Maybe if he yeah. doesn't
1: draw from it, but then it pays his wife. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of still weird to me because it's like, well, when you file, if you're married, it's still a joint. You know, you can't get away from each other. You know,
0: right? I mean, you could file separately, but I, I I'm with you. I think it's one of those things that it it's uh the, the, you, you may have a couple of um Pla- you know what, what you think might be plausible ways to explain this sort of thing, but in the end, uh, I think the, uh, the taxman gets paid. Yeah, they'll figure it out. I yeah. mean,
1: uh, they're just going to go to Rhonda and look at her and go, okay, well, let's look at who you are yeah. paying out. I mean, it, it's going to be uh, documented. She has to uh, uh, 1099 anybody that she pays mm-hmm. out her income. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she pays taxes on it, but mm-hmm. even if they go through there and they, they audit her and go, okay, well, who are you paying money out to mm-hmm. and um it's going to show a corporation and they'll be like oh well, who's that and you have right. to answer you can't right. just sit there and you know the irs is going to just sit there and go well you know there's a twenty thousand dollar write-off i have who'd you pay that to mm-hmm. well I, I paid it to joe why did you pay it
0: to yeah, joe who is well, he what well does joe's he my
1: nutritionist mm-hmm. he comes over or, or you know joe's the massage therapist mm-hmm. or you know whatever the case may be you just can't sit there and go well because i like joe so i gave him some money it's yeah like, Okay, well, yeah. you know, then you go back to Joe, and it's like, well, Joe, did you claim the money, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so... Well, um,
0: I think for the first time, it, you know, in in terms of putting this uh, in perspective of, of how could this affect the outcome of this main event, Saturday night, UFC 193, I'm still not questioning Ronda Rousey. I'm still not questioning her level of, of dedication and commitment and focus. But I guess for the first time, we're having to wonder a lot about how uh, how focused, how dedicated, how, uh, um, you know, free from distraction, not Ronda, but her head coach could be. Because yeah. you brought this up last week on our show, Frank. He's got, you know, is he particularly bothered by the 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 disconnect between himself and Ronda Rousey's mother and the criticism she's levied at him? That's number one. Now this financial issue. And then I think we'll be left to see if if, if that is the case and she is distracted, the, or he is distracted. How much of a real impact does he have on her fight preparation in the fight itself? Could she, let's just you know, play out the scenario if Edmund were to be distracted or less than than he is normally focused because of these things going on? Can Ronda Rousey pick up that slack and and basically do all the you know all the fighting and part of the coaching kind of to right. you know to, to so that that may be the biggest question is not what's her focus going to be like on Saturday night, but what is Edmund Tverdian's focus? Yeah, the focus. Going to be like him. on Saturday. More phone booth fighting coming up next. We'll talk about this uh, co-main event, a couple other things going on in the world of the UFC, and we'll do it next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Phone Booth Fighting, your weekly dose of mixed martial arts conversation and breakdown from myself, Richard Hunter. My co-host, sitting to uh, my immediate right, is two-time UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir. Ricky Lundell, his head coach and coach to a number of UFC stars, not with us on this segment, but with us in spirit. You can. Be sure. Uh, you can follow us all on social media, Twitter and Instagram at the FrankMir, at Ricky Lundell, and at Richard Hunter. And subscribe to the podcast available for you weekly in iTunes or at phoneboothfighting.com. Click the subscribe button. Give us a five-star review, and what we would really appreciate is uh, or a, a five-star rating, and what we would really appreciate is a uh, is a favorable review. If you have a moment, uh, write something pleasant about your listening experience. Experience and please, by all means, tell a friend. I know we appreciate it, and our sponsors appreciate it. Uh, real Water, get real at drinkrealwater.com. And also Trent Cotney over at TrentCotney.com. Frank is uh, getting ready to go to LA. You're going to see him Saturday night as part of the Fox broadcast team, uh, breaking down UFC 193. We just got done discussing the main event. Uh, now the co-main is uh, is pretty exciting as well, Frank. You know, it's one of those anytime you see the UFC put two title fights. On a card, uh, that means they're trying to do something a little extra special, and that's what they're doing. Saturday night, Ronda's defending her women's bantamweight title, but the uh, 115-pound UFC women's strawweight title is uh, on the line in the co-main event. And who's in that fight, Frank?
1: Uh, you have Joanna Jędrzejczyk, uh-huh. and then you have uh, uh, Tornio. You're making fun of my pronunciation, aren't you? <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, this is it's okay. It's okay. This is why we do the podcast. So we, so you're ready for so Fox. Ready, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 Now, you know what? I found a tool that, uh, uh the, the UFC, uh, has actually this really cool media only website. It's like, you got to have a login for it. And each fighter page has the fighter themselves saying their name. You recorded, you may not remember it, but it's actually got you. You hit the little play and you hear you going, Frank Meir. Frank Mir, like that, and it tells you oh. how to pronounce their names.
1: I need that desperately.
0: Yes, that's right. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to hook you up then. I'm going to give you my login credentials so, uh, so you can so hear, hear that. So let me hear you say the, the uh, Yeah, Yolana Check. I did that one decent, right? Yeah, you did that one pretty good. And then who's she fighting? Tor- <laughs> tornio? <laughs> well, there's a yeah.
1: watch, right? The Tornios? So yes. I, I keep thinking of that. Yes.
0: No, they, uh, she's taking on Valerie Letourneau. Letourneau. Yeah. Okay, and I'll get that right. one. I'll tell you how I remember it and then I'll tell you the mistake not to make. Okay. When I hear Valerie Laterno's name, I think of Mary Kay Laterno. Do you remember her? The teacher who hooked up with her nine year old oh, student yeah, or however yeah, old that okay, guy okay. was, and she kept getting caught with him. Yes. So that's how I remember it, but I'm deathly afraid that at some point probably <laughs> should have put interv- that in my head, yeah. Man. <laughs> probably when I'm interviewing her, I'm gonna call her Mary Kay Laterno. So don't do that. Valerie weekend. Letourneau. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't even think about. If you let me, I mean, if you were to say Mary Kay Letourneau on live television, there's no way that we would. No one would notice, and there's no way we would ever play that over and over again part, on the podcast. Just because when I was yeah.
1: pasting and copying, looking at fights and yeah. studying her, yeah, uh, I just. Yeah, paternal part was yeah. the only part I put in and pulled her up.
0: You yeah. Know, so well, she is she's French Canadian and Joanna uh, Jacek is uh, of course Polish and Jacek has uh, I mean she's she's one of the more exciting strikers honestly in the entire UFC. Uh, that's been her ticket to success uh, in capturing the UFC women's strawweight title, taking it from um, uh, Carla Esparza and then uh, her defense of it. Now, the interesting thing about that fight with, uh, with Valerie Letourneau, is Letourneau has fought bigger. She's fought at bantamweight and right, for a couple and, of years. Yeah, she was there, right. Yeah, she uh, she she's going to be bigger than any other woman in the strawweight division. She's going to have uh, size advantage, and she's very tough. I mean, she's been involved in some scraps. I think Yajacek uh, certainly has the the skill advantage, but I think it's going to be a, I think this is going to be a more competitive fight, certainly in the sense that it's. I think it's going to take more. For you, J-check to put Laterno out, than say a Ronda Rousey armbar submission of Holly oh, yeah, no, Holm. I, I think she's gonna have to pick her apart. No, in fact,
1: even um, in my lineup to it, you yeah, know, picking the winners and stuff. I was picking your brain about it, yeah. Uh, even though I still pick Joanna uh, uh, Jeycek to win the fight. Um, I think it's going to be one of the best fights of the night. Yeah, you know, I think that it goes the distance, and I could see it being. Both girls have phenomenal high output for uh, for striking. I think both of them have a higher output against all their opponents they've ever faced, and uh, uh, Letourneau you know, would be in that same category with a super high output, not with the same knockout ratio, but because of the given size that she's had, I'm trying to weigh that into the thing that maybe Jacek will not have as easy a time putting her away and finishing her, and I just see. A striking battle going back and forth. I don't see Latornio's takedowns able to be better than Lasparza. And so getting her down, I don't see that happening. So I really see this being a 25 minute stand up with maybe a record setting output, you know, as far as accumulation of strikes thrown by both opponents.
0: And, you know, it's the kind of thing that the women's strawweight division needs right now because. Uh, you know they've got the 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 women's bantamweight division is is pretty much set with the Ronda Rousey show. We've already learned that it's okay that that you don't really have another superstar on the level of Ronda Rousey. You know you got you got Miesha Tate, but. Short of that, there's not a lot of other you know recognizable household names over there for the casual fan, but that's okay because as it turns out, Ronda Rousey just uh, sells pay-per-views on her own. But when it comes to the strawweight division, uh, much like the men's flyweight division, the uh, the UFC is still has a little bit of a challenge of trying to get the more casual UFC fan. Familiar with it, I think Ioanna Jacek is is a fantastic ambassador for it. I think she's exciting to watch. Of course, you got Paige Van VanZant over there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the all American girl uh, uh, getting noticed as well. But I think it's going to take compelling fights to to really get people uh, you know invested in this thing, and I think it's a perfect opportunity because it's like the opening band for the Ronda Rousey experience. You know, you're going to have not only a bunch of people tuned in, but exactly the kind of people Absolutely that correct, you want yeah. tuned in: uh, younger fans, female fans, uh, casual fans who maybe don't watch every UFC fight, but they sure know Ronda Rousey, and so this is a, a perfect. Perfect opportunity for the UFC and more particularly uh, the 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 women's strawweight fighters to say, hey, you know what, we're here too. Here's what we do. You may have come for Ronda Rousey, but you're going to leave remembering our fight.
1: I absolutely agree with you. I think that you're right. It's a perfect platform, and like you say, I mean. You have the right viewers—the mm-hmm. people that are viewing in to watch Ronda Rousey—easily enjoy the fight and and be fans of a of a phenomenal fight put on by the uh, the Bantamweight title. And so, really, I think that's a phenomenal matchup. You know, mm-hmm. again with Latonio and Jacek, I see it being one of the best fights on the card. Uh, you know, not that there's not a lot of great fights on there. You have the Mark Hunt, you know, Bigfoot Silva could potentially be a, a, a rehash of their phenomenal bout they had a couple of years ago. Yeah. But as far as if I had to place and be a betting guy again, I'm like, well, if I had to sit there and, and play, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to win the uh, fight of the night? I think this is my candidate for being the, the the ultimate, you know, the fight of the night.
0: Yeah, yeah. I that the fact that Mark Hunt and Antonio Silva is your feature bout. I think is uh, says a lot about the strength of this card and it that that's kind of perfect placement for that too because it's a real table setter for uh if they come anywhere close to having the kind of fight that they had the first time around it's going to be a real table setter for the women i mean that's going to get the crowd hyped up that's going to get them excited it's going to be uh it's going to be a high bar at that point probably a tough act to follow but uh i i I think that uh that the ladies can do that and you know the ufc has already had some success doing this I mean they did it um in LA uh back at the uh the beginning of the year when Ronda headlined against uh Kat Zingano in uh LA and Holly Holm was on that undercard. Uh, she was in the co main event against uh Raquel Pennington. Now that fight uh that fight uh that fight card had been switched up a bunch because, uh, because of some injuries. Weren't you supposed to be on that fight card? Yeah. Were you supposed to be on that one?
1: Are you talking about the L.A. one with Holmes and Raquel? Yeah. But that one ended up happening in Brazil also.
0: The Yes. That fight, that was your Silva fight. Yeah. And you and Silva were supposed to be on that card. Right.
1: We were supposed to be in L.A. And
0: then you got moved because the Silva fight, the, I mean, the Brazil main event fell out. They needed a main event. Right. I, I think, I think right? it was...
1: Uh, Rashad uh, Evans, I think yeah. got injured. Yeah, they needed a, versus Glover Teixeira.
0: Yes, that's right. They needed a markable main event, so they move you guys down there, and the LA card suffered as a result. But but it's what I, it's it's been demonstrated though that women can not only main event but co-headline uh, a pay-per-view card, and and, oh, yeah. and it does well.
1: I think. I mean, I've heard more than once now from the uh ufc brass that you know ronda is the biggest seller that we have right now in the ufc man Mm -hmm. or woman i mean Mm -hmm. uh people keep bringing up connor and and, and from what i understand that as far as selling pay-per-views and putting uh people to click it on uh Mm -hmm. ronda's the uh the uh, undisputed champ right now
0: yeah for sure more phone booth fighting coming up next we will uh we'll take a look at uh, some stuff going on outside of ufc 193 this weekend uh uh we We got an unexpected retirement announcement from one of the real legends of the sport, Mirko Krokop. That was a couple of days ago, but then yesterday we found out there uh, there might be something nefarious behind it uh so we will talk about that. It's awesome we'll uh, Yeah, nefarious is a good word. Coming up next, I'll run down my favorite words. We'll talk about my top five favorite words, uh, and uh, Frank will uh, practice uh, pronouncing Letourneau. That's uh, coming up next on uh, Phone Booth Fighting. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Phone Booth Fighting, your weekly dose of mixed martial arts talk with myself, Richard Hunter, MMA broadcaster, also Frank Mir, two-time UFC heavyweight title holder, and his head coach, Ricky Lundell. Ricky, not with us this week he's uh doing some coaching and some rehabbing on a shoulder injury he's got a little bit of a physicality thing going on he's got to get fixed up but when you're when you're uh when you're the strong man of instagram frank these these kind of uh injuries happen you know (laughs)
1: Holding the iPad up uh, at the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: Frank. Uh, you know, if you follow Ricky on uh, social media at Ricky Lundell, uh, uh, usually about once every week to ten days, he's got some kind of crazy physical uh, uh, feat that he's doing, yes. right? And uh, when the uh, I'll uh, quick shout out for our friends over at MMA Junkie Radio. Um, George and Goes over there. They do their big uh, junkie gathering every year, and uh, around International Fight Week. And this this year, they they always take their listeners out to one of the fight gyms around Las Vegas, one of the camps. And this year, they came to Lundell MMA. You were there. Travis Brown was there and did Q and A with the uh, with the listeners and all that sort of thing. But it was interesting because I think one of the listeners' favorite things was at the end. They all gathered around Ricky over in the Bishop Gorman gym, and they made requests for physical feats for him to do. So somebody would be like, "Hey, can you climb both ropes at the same time? You know, with both hands?" And he'd do that one. And then somebody go, "Okay, how about if you take an exercise ball and you bounce it once, but then you front flip over?" And th- they were creating all these scenarios that he would try to do. It was great. He was taking requests. So, uh, um, American Ninja. Yeah. So, uh, so, so he's got a little bit of a, of a, of a shoulder issue. He's, uh, he's dealing with right now. So, uh, we miss him, but you can send him, uh, your get well wishes at, uh, Ricky Lundell on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Ricky Lundell. Uh, and our sponsors, uh, real water, get real at drinkrealwater.com and, uh, Trent Cotney over at Trentcotney.com. Um, you know what, Frank? I before we go uh, any further, we got to talk about uh, this breaking news about Miracle Crocop uh, uh, this uh, week. That uh, is not good news at all for his legacy. But uh, I want to want to spontaneously debut a new segment. Okay, you don't know about this. I'm springing this on you. I've got a new segment idea. That I'm going to call in in radio, we're gonna, we call this a benchmark, right? Which is something it's like a recurring segment that you do, you know, something. Not going to give me messed up week. names that I have to try to pronounce. Sorry, oh no, that's a whole other. Okay. That's a, that that's another. That's already an established popular <laughs> benchmark. Yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping that Anthony Injikwani gets re-signed <laughs> by the UFC <laughs> just for the sake of. Oh. I've had nightmares <laughs> about that name. <laughs> um, So, uh, uh, that, that, that's a benchmark we already have, but, uh, I've got a new one that I'm calling mirror matters. Okay. Mirror matters. Now this is where I go over things with you that I need you to remember. right okay so uh basically this is a (laughs) this is a fancy dressed up way of uh reminding you and ingraining you uh, ingraining it in your head that you're doing an appearance uh at the real mma uh amateur fight card event at samstown casino here on november 20th i do remember that's right it's going to be a friday night and uh that's right and uh <clears throat> we're, going to, uh, we're actually going to be giving away uh, a pair of tickets uh, on your uh, social media. I tell you what we'll do. We've got a pair of VIP tickets to give away. Here in a little bit, I will, uh, I'll cut in with an announcement on the podcast about how, uh, if you live locally in Las Vegas and you're a listener to our uh, podcast, Phone Booth Fighting, or you can get here either way, maybe you just will happen to be here that weekend or something, we'll, we'll, uh, put a pair of VIP tickets up for grabs, uh, for you to win. I'll, I'll make an announcement a little bit later in the podcast on how to do that. But, uh, our friends at Real Water also have a amateur mixed martial arts promotion that they do, and uh, they they run a fight card every uh, couple of months, and uh, it's uh, it's a really cool thing. And we actually went out, the three of us, uh, uh, you, Frank, me, and Ricky, we we all went to their last uh, fight card, and uh, they wanted to have you out again this time, and uh, you're gonna be involved in presenting the uh, the trophy or the medal or the main event winner there's some things like that going on so if you uh if you are in the las vegas area uh, you live here you're going to be on uh, november 20th which will be uh, a week from friday as we sit here and record come on out samstown casino and uh, see frank and myself and i'm sure ricky's gonna uh, make it by there as well and uh, watch the fights with us and uh, hang out and chat. You know what we need to start looking at doing, Frank? Is so. So anyway, that's that's uh, mirror matters for this okay. week. That's where I, I we, we go over the calendar, and I need you to remember something. So uh, November twenty. I do a good job. I was okay. remembering very because in fact,
1: uh, when I was first asked about the Fox deal, yeah. I had already obligated myself to the real water event. Yes, so that's why I, w- I actually had to go through my phone and oh, good. It or, and, and look at it and go. Okay, when is this thing? Oh, good,
0: good. Okay, stuff. excellent, excellent. Yeah, I think I don't know how
1: to set up a calendar yet. I just yeah. I just have a, I, 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 uh, screenshot anybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me go through my photo gallery. <laughs> no, seriously,
1: like people they'll hand me cards, business cards, and I'll, and if I pull out a cell phone, I actually uh, like you. Yeah. If I take a picture of the card, it means I'm trying to keep it. Oh, okay. Uh, now yeah. with the cloud, if I yeah. lose my phone, I can always yeah. still upload. And...
0: Do, now, do you ever uh, do you ever get confused as to why you took the screenshot? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've See, gone
1: through. I just did that because when I have long flights, and I just yeah. you know. Just last week, I had two long flights, you know, Florida and back, Uh and uh, and then jumping right back on and going, heading out to New York. So, you know, four and a half, five hour flights. And uh, (laughs) yeah, I'll look at pictures, I'm like, why did I... Put, take a picture of this guy's
0: car <laughs> yeah yeah here's a picture of my kid wearing a little league out why do i oh he's got a game i gotta go to the game and that's yeah. what it is yeah no I, I do have in fact actually
1: my memory thank goodness for the phone i've started to do that i actually write notes even with in my notes section yes that's a good any idea any kind of that's altercations i have with my wife if we have if some situation oh, arises yeah and you know, that's like ah because then i remember when she brings things up i'm like that's, that's not right. how i really remembered it that's but right. then like, let uh, me she always has the card file. that you know I've been hitting the head a few times, and so <laughs> my memory, not you know, between the two of us, is probably <laughs> to be more pulled up to to, to to question than hers. So I'm like, <laughs> note to self, yeah, on uh, January second. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now that may be another benchmark. We could uh, we could have the uh, Frank Mir's notes to self. That's something we could play.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just hate losing arguments. Yeah. It kills my wife. So yep. I, I got. I always make sure I have ammo.
0: Yep, I am the same way. You know what? I was thinking about you and and losing. Arguments earlier because uh, you and I are you and I have a a, a common personality trait in that sense that we 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 were I think we're both pretty analytical and and we're always up for a lively spirited conversation and that sort of thing but we're we're competitive in that way and I was thinking about this because uh, you know uh, Vitor Belfort knocked out Dan Henderson last weekend and uh, yep. down in Brazil which is always tough for me I like Hendo anyway but. Frank, he's the only fighter in the UFC that's older than me. And so I I need him to stick around. Because once he's gone, that's it. Yeah. Everybody's younger. And it's not it's not like some old guy's gonna get signed at that point. Like oh no,
1: wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Perosh is forty two. Yeah. How old do you think I am? Oh, I thought you were under forty two. Thank you.
0: Thank ah. you. Yeah. Let me just tell you that Dan Henderson is the only <laughs> fighter in the UFC okay. that is older than me. And not by much is the other problem. So I always I always root for Dan in addition to just the fact that he's an awesome uh, guy. That
1: vegan diet in real water, man. That's here. right. That's right.
0: Fountain of youth. Fountain of youth get real at drinkrealwater.com and eat vegan. Uh, so it's... it's uh, But but Dan got knocked out, and it happened real quick and everything. And uh, so that was a bummer. You know, I was hoping, uh, uh, you know, if, if Dan wasn't going to win, that it was at least a, a, a close, compelling fight. But, you know, Vitor is a big God guy, and you and I are both atheists. And it's like... it It's a constant thing with him bringing that up, you know? Ah. And, uh, you know, to each his own, it's fine. But it's like... I, it's so tough for me, especially like an interview, because boy, he will lay it on you in an interview. Yeah. He will lay that on. And I always just want to say, you know, this just doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm not, you're you're welcome to think it, but at least listen to me point out a few holes in this theory. Like, uh, the only reason you think this is because somebody told it to you, right?
1: Absolutely. As a machine repair, you not a uh, programmer. Yes.
0: Yes, it is so. It is so tough for me. And man, every time I hear that, it's, I'm not saying that that's a reason to dislike somebody personally. I mean, that's their belief. It's just uh, I so want to have a conversation. I so want to just you no, know No, because I, I have a lot of that.
1: friends that you know yeah. that uh. uh are religious you yeah. know, that go to church on Sundays and I hang out with them throughout the week and we don't have any issues with each other whatsoever. We might have uh, friendly conversations that get brought up about like, well, how do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, I'm sure you yourself, you know, answer a lot of questions, you know, as far as somebody who's uh, lacking a faith and other, you know, mm-hmm. as far as religions consider, but at least, uh, are uh, uh, not that anybody, I mean, come on, no one is completely, uh, um, uh, What's the opposite of the hypocrite? You know, uh, you know, uh, consistent in every aspect of their life. You yeah. Know? You sit there and go, well, I'm a vegan. It's like, well, you know, do you do you have a, a watch that was you know that has a leather band? It's right. like, well, guess what? That was an animal. Oh, yeah. you know. So you know, you can sit there and go, well, you know, you're not 100% consistent. It's like, well. Yeah, I mean, you get me on the details, but for the most part, you know, I, 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 do this, you know, lifestyle yeah. and I have a thought process. And so that's why when people, you know, that I have, I'm friends with, you know, their thought processes of faith are pretty consistent with what they try to, uh, to, to carry on in their life. And the only time I sometimes get weirded out when someone goes there and, you know, and punches someone's face in and then goes, it's cause of God. I'm like, right. Hey man, you know, I, I went to church when I was a kid and I, and I read about the Jesus and, uh, yeah. uh, that doesn't seem like that no. was pretty consistent. With what he would care well, about right now, helping you right. yeah, punch another human being's face in, especially in the name of money, yes,
0: <laughs> and especially in the post-fight interview where you're you're going so far as to indicate that he picked you in the fight. Like maybe uh, he had a little money on you or something, so he yes. made sure that uh, you had a little so more, no more than free advantage will. than. The, <laughs> yeah, that's Which right. I
1: thought was kind of the concept there. But. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Well, it was going through my mind as I watched, uh, you know, Vitor Belfort uh, point to the sky and announce that he was on a different kind of TRT now, and uh, he actually <laughs> yeah. said that. He actually said that. He's like, no, now I'm just faith powered. All right. Yeah,
1: I mean it's. Yeah. You know what? Like I said, at the end of the day, like I don't pick things apart of. You know, like I, I'm a big fan of the LDS faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of friends that are Mormon, and you know, I mean, I could sit there and, and some of their beliefs in the Book of Mormon can it could push Scientology as far as, uh, and that's really weird that you guys, do yes. you really think that, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, who cares? You know, like they're, they're, for the majority of them, it seems like it makes them good people. They mm-hmm. seem to, you know, be healthy, have great family unity. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to always just look at the good of it mm-hmm. and sit there and go, well, you know, hey, overall, it makes them a better person. It's it's the people that, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, Westboro uh, Baptist Church, right. you know, those guys.
0: It's a fun bunch.
1: Uh, talk about like, you know, I'm against the death penalty, but... uh. Uh-huh there are people that really stretch my uh sure <laughs> no that's, that's absolutely
0: right <laughs> wow that's good. see that's another thing we we're going to have to have a good uh a death penalty conversation later cuz i at some point on a podcast cuz I, I i have a a very well thought out position why i am opposed to it despite the fact that there's plenty of people i think the world would be better off without oh yeah, people. Know, yeah people always say oh you're against the death penalty what do you just think that everybody should? I said, no i'm like actually i don't think all life is precious i think there's plenty of people that we'd be better off without the problem is there's no practical way to get rid of them without making mistakes well, and, and I, I kind of so. a thought
1: out process too just to hit on it in like 15 seconds or less right? yeah um so justice is about protecting society. You have somebody that is an atrocious criminal. You know, I think. I mean, nowadays we have prisons in America that you're never getting out of.
0: Yeah, you know? they're privatized. Right. You know,
1: once you're in that prison and yep. you're maximum security, so we can put people away and relatively secure the safety of our mm-hmm. our nation and, and mm-hmm. the common people around. And and guess what? The judicial system is not perfect. Justice is blind. Right. And I would rather go ahead and let somebody out after 20, 25 years that we find out was innocent, no matter how atrociously we thought they were guilty. Yeah. We can go back and fix it. And, and and you know what? Nothing's 100%. I'd rather go ahead and in prison. 99 you know uh, fanatics that and they get to live for you know they're out their life but it's not the greatest lifestyle i mean come on have you read about some of the people that live on death row i mean yeah. even before the death penalty you know the, they meet their fateful day it's a pretty horrific lonely in a cell by yourself 23 and a half hours a day lifestyle and so I'm all for that, you know, and it's not that, ex- I mean, heck, you know, I think the last time I read it was like, you know, $48,000 a year to keep someone in prison. But because of the our modern judicial system, it's two or three million to actually, because of, you know, the court of appeals and whatnot, to actually put someone to the, to death. And again, what if we're wrong? That's, know, that's right. That's what I was saying.
0: It's now. the one thing you can't take back. It is cheaper, and a lot of that surprises a lot of people to find out, that it's actually cheaper to imprison someone for life than it is to put them to death because of all the automatic appeals right? right. that you get if, if you're sentenced to death. Well,
1: they force you to have appeals.
0: Well, they do, and then people will say, oh, well, we just shouldn't have all those appeals, but then you're violating somebody's constitutional right. right. And then we so go back to, to the, the part where
1: I'm against it in the first place. It's like what if we're wrong yeah it can't happen no one's i mean if you're a fan of sports you can watch an event and and, and Mm -hmm. we can have instant replay and people still don't agree with what exactly was his foot in was his foot out did he Mm -hmm. have did he have control of the ball before he hit the ground i mean you know i mean and that's over the the outcome of a sporting event Mm -hmm. now we're talking about you have to make a conclusive decision on the result and outcome of someone's life i'm sorry i don't want to be all in i'd rather go ahead and just oh yeah you know what 30 years in prison sucks i, I could not imagine that's horrible uh putting someone to death you know and they sit there on that bed and, and they know that they were innocent as the needle goes in their arm i can't imagine too many fates worse
0: and how about this how about the fact that it's not a deterrent i mean that's really wow. the whole point of 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 uh a judicial system and, and and you know punishment for criminal activity is supposed to be eventual uh rehabilitation but also a deterrent from doing it to begin with. Here's yeah, why it doesn't a, work. Here's yeah. why it's not a deterrent. Somebody who uh you know robs a liquor store, shoots the clerk in cold blood, they're not thinking past next week. Well yeah no you don't but, think of consequences because no, you're
1: not thinking I'm gonna get caught.
0: No well they're they're not thinking their their lives uh are, are in such disarray they're not thinking past week, past next week, let alone, you know, I'm I'm nineteen if I do this in 10 years when i'm about to be 30 years old after i've exhausted all my appeals they might put me to death and that's going to screw up my long range plan for success yeah. they don't think like that no not at all so so in many ways there's just no good way to do it i would i would it would be awesome if somebody had the infallible ability to sit there and just pick off the 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 real, you know, psychopaths of our society and get rid of them, it just doesn't work that way. No, There's just not a practical way to do it. Let me how are we uh now you got a workout So how are we doing here? Do we need to wrap up a little bit? So okay. you want to
1: just hit on Mirko real quick?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So Mirko Crocop uh announced very abruptly uh, about 48 hours ago as we tape that he was retiring and what was particularly curious about that was that he had a fight coming up in a couple of weeks in Korea with Anthony Hamilton the co-main event Uh, of that card and on his Facebook page he said it was due to injury and because of his age and the injury and what it would take to rehabilitate it, it seemed like he was saying there was a bit of a language barrier there translation but it seemed like maybe what he was saying was that he was retiring that's certainly the way everybody took it but then the other shoe dropped yesterday and we find out that Mirko Krokop has the dubious distinction of becoming the first ever UFC fighter to fail USADA drug testing. We don't know what for yet. We don't know all the details, but obviously this was no coincidence. He failed USADA's testing and said, you know what, I'm, I'm out because of, of how long I would have probably been suspended to begin with. So not good for Mirko Krokop's legacy. There's a guy you fought, Frank, a uh, guy that, that you beat, one of the real legends of the sport, though. I mean, especially his days over in Pride, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, of course, that was the Wild West. There certainly wasn't testing going on over in Pride, but it just goes to show you maybe maybe representative uh, in in kind of a, a very apropos way of the old school versus the new school, where he started and how things ended up, because it's a new day in mixed martial arts, particularly where the UFC is concerned in their partnership with USADA.
1: Yeah, right now, I mean, I tell people, uh, you know, casually I meet fans and they ask about it and it gets brought up. I'm like, look, there's no way around the testing. Mm-hmm. If you've had any doubts whether the athletes are competing at a, you know, at a clean level, um, <laughs> those doubts can be put to rest, because unless they have access to some kind of mad you know, uh, scientist laboratory that is ahead of, uh, Olympic level testing. Um, we're all clean mm-hmm. and the random testing and showing up at your gym and, you know, I've been subjected to it now already. And, um, they just, if you're going to go that route, you're going to get caught, which actually surprises me that, uh, you know, if you were on the dark side, why wouldn't you just, you know, try to stop doing what you're doing and just compete naturally, uh, and save yourself. Um, I look at some of the guys, and now they're getting caught. I'm like, why would you even try? Like, I mean, right now, if someone came up to me and goes, "Hey, you know, I got something to make you stronger, faster, you know, you know, a better fighter," it's like, okay, is there a way? You know, you're gonna get caught though. It's like I would instantly. It's like, well, that makes no sense, buddy, because I'm not gonna get to enjoy money or the victory, and, and my name's gonna get drugged through the mud, and and, you know, your, your children and people around you are going to look at you. It's like, why would you even uh, risk it now? Mm-hmm. And uh, the guys are even trying to test out USADA and don't take uh, the warnings. It surprises me. But I mean, you know, if you look at right now how many events we've had and, and now he's the first one to fail, it just shows that I think the majority of the athletes, contrary to what people were thinking, are uh, on the up and up and clean.
0: It shows you it's working because you know, it, not, not a year ago everything you just laid out, I mean that hypothetical argument of all the reasons why it's not worth it and all the reasons why you know you, you don't want to take the chance of getting caught even a year ago you could have had that exact opposite conversation with yourself or someone else and said actually if you play the percentages even if you get caught i mean you're not going to fight for six months anyway so here's how yeah. long the will have it see what i'm saying so it's completely yeah. turned those tables if you weren't a main degrees. event fighter than yeah i mean yeah.
1: if you weren't a main event i mean because so, i think you brought that up to me like well mm-hmm. hey look frank might not be worth it to you. I've been main event now for so many you know yeah. years now in the UFC, a co-main event. I'm always getting tested, but you're like, well, what about the guys on the undercard? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a little while since I've been there. I'm like, I guess you're right. If you wanted to, you know, throw the dice. Yeah. So now with you know Mirko getting caught, and it just shows again that the athletes that uh, there is no um, advantage to, to cheating. And 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 I related to this, my personal experience with the whole USADA thing, and why I'm kind of thankful that it's around because um even if your inclination is to do the right thing, right? I've had kids at a very young age, even, you know, I became a father, you know, 23 years of age. And, you know, and when I first met my wife, she already had a son from a previous marriage that I took over and uh, became the father of. And so, uh, you know, very young and early on in the UFC, I already had people that looked up to me and that I had to enter a parental figure into a uh, role. And so uh, my inclination was, well, you know, there might be money in it, but if I get caught, I don't want to have to explain this to my father, you know, that I look up to, you know, that has never gone that route. My dad's yeah. never even, you know, uh, uh, done any drugs in his life. You know, he's, he came from the island of Cuba. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, I think I've ever seen him drink a glass of wine and have a slight tipsy uh, on, on one of his, uh, you know, when he remarried. Other than that, just not that kind of attitude. My wife is very holistic. I mean, I can't even get her to take a Tylenol for a, hel- uh, a headache. So that being said, my inclination is to go the right route, but I relate it to this. You're sitting in traffic, right? HOV lanes next to you, but you're fender, you know, bumper to bumper traffic and you're doing the right thing because you don't have anybody in your vehicle and you don't, legally you shouldn't be over in the HOV lane because it's it's a ticket. And you see kid after kid, guy after guy zipping past you, right? And they're getting to get to work on time or wherever their destination is and they're breaking the rules and they're not getting caught. How long do you stay in that lane before you go ahead and sit there and go, forget about it, man? Everybody else is doing it and no one else is getting caught. Yeah. And so that, I think, comes down to a lot of athletes. I mean, there's times I've struggled with mentally going, you know, you hear, oh, this guy's doing this, or this person's doing this, and hey, do you want extra wind? Just take this and your gas will last forever. And, you know, it's, and you're like, wow, everybody else is doing this? Oh, yeah. And people exaggerate and blow things out of yeah. proportion. And, uh, and so for young athletes, you know, I'm glad that struggle is no longer there because now I can look at them and say, hey, you like doing the right thing. Yeah. I'm like, good, because doing the wrong thing, the guys aren't going to get away with it. You know, if, if people get away with it and, and are able to abuse the system, it just makes it hard for people that who are naturally going to do the right thing to want to continue to do the right thing. It's like, well, now I'm missing out on this big contract, and his kids are going to go to private school because he jumped over the fence and went that route. Now he looks better. He's stronger faster heels this guy's never getting injured geez why wouldn't i want to jump on that route either there's no consequence no one's getting caught and now with usada being a part of this corporate you know part of uh, the ufc people get nailed it's like oh okay good it just it just reaffirms that it's like well you know you're an athlete that has always been clean it makes you feel better about the decisions you made. You don't Mm -hmm. feel like such an idiot. Because, I mean, there's times that you sit there and you feel, I mean, I know people might look at me like I'm crazy. Like, I mean, you feel dumb for doing it the right way. You're like, there's times I felt like an idiot. You know, you just sit there and go, wow, you know, this sucks. Why am I doing it this way when this guy's doing it the wrong way and he's getting away with it, you know? And now the fact that, you know, Mirko, I mean, I feel bad for anybody whose career gets this uh, stain on it. And, I mean, obviously he still has his day to uh, to address the commission and uh, USADA's uh, board. To, you know, maybe there's some kind of issue. You know, who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, I guess you're innocent until proven guilty, but, I mean, this is definitely not looking good. Um But it it definitely uh, reaffirms young athletes nowadays, especially me as a coach. If I come out and coach a guy, in the past, if we were 10, 15, you know, two or three years ago, and a guy goes, hey, you know, what if I go this way? I'm like, well, you know, personal preference. I can't really think of a strong argument against it because, you know, this guy or this guy or this guy is getting away with it. Um, Your health, I mean, you want to live a long time. Do you really want high blood pressure? I mean, if you want to have kids and and hang out with them when you get older, I mean – I could talk to you from a moral point of view, or why not to, but as far as a financial basis, it wasn't that, like how you brought up, I and mean, when you brought that up to me, you really gave me an eye-opener going, you know, because before I'm like, hey man, I mean, but, Again, I was the perspective of main event fight. I'm constantly being mm-hmm. urine tested and blood tested. I mean, there was two fights in particular where uh, I don't know if it had to do with the opponents I had, but I got blood tested two weeks on the dot leading up to, you know, eight weeks out from the fight. You know, having a, oh, okay, we need you to show up this Saturday. All right, buddy, I'll be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so, um, but you're right. The new guys coming up now, it's great. They can look at this and rest assured that they don't feel dumb for doing the right thing. It's like, hey. Be clean because the guy you're fighting, he's going to be clean too. And if he's not, he's not going to get away with it. He's going to pay the consequences. So, you know, it's going to come clean in the wash. So don't worry about it. You know, if he wants to go that route, he's not going to get away with it.
0: Yeah. It's it, it, what had to change in the whole equation was the financial incentive. You, you had to make it a financial deterrent. Uh, and, and an odds on deterrent to the mid Carter to the, the fight pass mm-hmm. guy, a guy or, or a lady who uh, in, in most cases has the exact opposite of financial incentives. I mean, they're fighting for eight and eight at this point. You know, they're yeah. doing everything they well, can. Just and, to, and, and the fact
1: they've had that random mm-hmm. s- anytime, anywhere testing really honestly i mean in the past i mean come on anybody we all have access to google yeah. you can google drugs and you can sit there and look at it and go well if you know you're being tested on you know january 1st you could take x y or z up until this time and this has this kind of a detectable tablet you uh-huh. know or a table and i could do this i could do that i mean there's ways around it um now it's like no guys i mean and they started the random test and the ufc started doing that about three years back where guys were getting selected a little bit here and there and that's when the first started becoming very evident that people were failing tests they weren't failing fight night tests they were failing the random test so now the Usada, you know we have the app on our phones we have to update our locations they can come knock on the door at any moment that really is the biggest reassurance for me as an athlete that like hey I know my guy trains clean. Then, then I know it's a clean fight. Whether or not you're clean the night of the fight, it's like, well, I mean, you could have taken X, Y, or Z leading up to and healed your injuries, and you train twice as much as I do, you know, because I can't train six to eight hours a day, full-blown workouts Monday through Saturday because mm-hmm. I'm human and I'm not on anything. But you could because you're being, uh, you know. Uh, uh, assisted you know in healing process and so uh you know now that the training aspect of training clean is the biggest thing that you know that's going to be the biggest attribute to help out uh, all the rest of the athletes well
0: there's an interesting tie-in to what's going on this weekend at UFC 193 because Valerie Letourneau who uh we were talking about earlier is challenging uh, Ioana Jacek for the uh women's strawweight title you know she's an American top team uh, product fighter and she is normally cornered by Hector Lombard she, yes. she is not going to be allowed to have Hector Lombard in her corner because Lombard is under suspension uh, for a banned substance himself and uh, Letourneau uh, earlier this week Called that disgusting she said at UFC 193 open workouts quote the only thing that hurts us is that Hector is such a big part of my improvement in my career in the past two or three years that I just feel that it's disgusting for him not to be able to be there but he's going to be in the crowd and he knows how much I care and how grateful I am for uh helping me
1: well she said that I I, really I would have expected her to say that Doing what he did was disgusting for her right. to sit there and say that, you know, th- th- for him to have to face the consequences of his actions mm-hmm. is disgusting. I find that kind of strange.
0: Well, I do, too, because the thing is, it's got to be, you know, you if you think about that. Um, OK, so if, if it were the opposite, if it were OK, you tested positive, so you're on suspension as a fighter, but you can still corner. Well, to other fighters. Let's say American top team. You're helping out other fighters. Then they're going to look at that like, well, too bad for you that you personally can't fight, but at least that doesn't impact me because you can right. still corner a coach me. To me, it's an important deterrent because just, what as as a team, because the consequences yes, of your
1: actions affects the people could affect around me. You. That's yes. right.
0: See, as a team member, I wanted I wanted, I wanted to uh, be more along the lines of, well, you know, Frank. Not only can you not fight, but now you've screwed up my corner. And to me, right. if you're going to create a Deterrent in, in a, a team atmosphere, that's what the deterrent's going to oh, be. Absolutely. Hey, don't mess me up.
1: Well, it's like anything else. If you just go to a basic uh, training or a boot camp, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Air Force, whatever the case may be, you know, in their training sessions, a benchmark of almost all our uh, uh, our branches of military is that very much that team unity of, uh, well, if Soldier A messes up, everybody else is doing push ups too, you know, and you yeah. kind of have that camaraderie commod- where that builds a team unity where it's like, well, if you slip up, I suffer. So now I don't want you to slip up. So I'm going to help you where well, there isn't that, well, I'm just out for myself and you know, to hell with you, whether mm-hmm. you do well or not, because it doesn't affect me. And that's why actually, um, I mentioned one time on the show uh, earlier uh, with Ricky, I don't know if you were there mm-hmm. and I was talking about, we uh, were we discussing, um, this is almost a year back now when usada was first, you know, being talked about coming in or, you know, we knew mm-hmm. it was coming. And, uh, deterrent as far as i felt that if a head coach puts his name on your license and you fail the drug test i think he should be penalized too yeah i think that you know you have a lot of teams now that you know that would be a huge deterrent if you sit there and go okay come on you're a coach in mma on a professional level on a high level you're telling me you don't know that your athlete is is being you know uh sauced up um, and if you do nothing about it, and you just sit silent and, and quiet, then it'll affect you and your team also. You know, let's see a head coach who gets suspended, even if the the, the penalty wasn't a uh, two to, you know year penalty, but even six months, six months to a head coach who probably has two or three guys yeah. every t- you know month or so fighting on an amateur level, and then maybe a big show where you're having two or three guys fighting every six months. That's a huge hit.
0: Well, and let's also think about the positive culture that that would foster as a result inside that gym then, because if you're that head coach and you know that that's a realistic threat, you're going to be paying closer attention to what's going on inside your Absolutely. gym. And then let's say somebody does test positive, right? Then you, as a coach, would probably look at cutting that guy yes. saying, or that lady and saying, hey, you know, you're know, you going to have to go elsewhere. Translation to the fighter, they will think about that right. before they do something and go, you know what? If I get caught, I could get cut from the gym. I, could, yes. I mean, I could be out on the Absolutely. street. Absolutely,
1: and too, also, it takes away, again, what you were talking about earlier that you hit so hard on, the financial financial incentive is gone yeah. right now with the current status of how the sport is as a head coach if you wanted to go ahead and push your athletes that route and you have 10 to 15 guys well guess what you know there there maybe there's you're you're upping your chances of success because if somebody hits the test and they fail and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways around it well, okay well that guy failed well how did he fail He failed you, know. you can just go ahead and have the machine gun effect because it doesn't affect you you can just okay well now next guy up and go let's try it Right. Let's try it this way. But now you have a, a commitment to your, uh, and you're basically in the same boat now with your athlete. You're no longer going to be, there's no incentive for you to even try to help. And push. And the only reason I even bring that up is because you hear about other sports where you, you know, coaches, you know, giving athletes things and mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, push them and athletes, you know, whether or not it's true or not, going back and sitting there and go, well, you know, the coach told me it was a B vitamin. I don't know. yeah, And so uh, just because I want to stay ahead of the curve, I'm like, well, we can eliminate that right off the fact. Yeah. Athlete fails. Coach goes down with them. I guarantee some of these gyms. Uh, you're, that's going to be one of the biggest cleanouts. On top of the uh, random testing, you mm-hmm. sit there and start handing out, you know, judgments to whoever the licensed cornerman is. People are going to behave differently.
0: No, it's a great idea. Coming up next, uh, before we wrap things up here, uh, you know, I, I said that uh, is, you know, with with Dan Henderson being in the UFC, I want him to hang around as long as possible because he's the only guy uh, in the UFC. Older than me. Not the case over in Bellator, thankfully. Uh, I don't know if you heard what these guys have planned for the next couple of months, but uh, you want to talk about uh, dusting off some history. Let me tell you what they've got planned. Coming up next as we continue, phone booth fighting. We're talking UFC with one of the 205ers who's going to be in action this Saturday night, exclusively on pay-per-view. UFC 193 is going down in Australia, headlined by a women's bantamweight title fight. Ronda Rousey taking on Holly Holm. You're also going to see the women's strawweight title being defended. Joanna Jacek defends against Valerie Letourneau. And on the undercard of that blockbuster event is uh, my guest, who's joining us now. It's Gian Vellante. He's going to be. Taking- Taking on the hippo, Anthony Peros. John, how you doing, man? Good to talk to you.
2: Feeling good. Hanging out here in Australia, just in... uh...
0: You know, enjoying a little downtime. It's the morning over here, so just hanging out. Yeah, you know, this uh, obviously is going to be a huge card. Uh, by all accounts, it could possibly break the UFC's all-time attendance record. I think the old record's like fifty-five thousand. This stadium holds as many as seventy thousand. You've been on a, a number of UFC cards before, but but do you do you feel a difference in terms of the the size and the magnitude of the event, uh, the the build up in fight week? Does does it feel larger than normal um you know what i've been really fortunate in my career that i've been
2: on some amazing amazing cards i was on the uh 20th anniversary card gsp uh versus Hendricks. i was on uh first time uh you know uh fedor came to the uh you know for uh when he fought uh Bigfoot, his first loss in like thirty years or something like that, or thirty fights, yeah. whatever. Uh, I've been on some real amazing cards, and uh, the first time the UFC was ever in New Zealand, I was on that one. So I've been on some really cool cards. Uh, this is another one, I, you know, that I, I'm just very fortunate to be on, and I've been uh, I've been a part of history, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it's a true blessing that uh, I've been lucky enough to have been on such great cards, and uh, hopefully I can perform the way I know I can.
0: Eight of your wins have come by knockout, and uh, Anthony Peroche has been susceptible to to the KO. Uh, do you think on paper this uh, matchup translates to, to a probable knockout win uh, in your favor?
2: Uh, well, I don't know. Paper don't help you much when you're in the ring, that's for sure, <laughs> but... Um, yeah i I don't i really know i actually didn't even know that coming in so i've really been looking forward to uh looking at that at all i mean the whole thing to me is no matter who i fight they've been susceptible to knockouts, get knocked out or have a great chin no matter who they are most of the time i feel like i can knock them out because i i hit pretty damn hard so whoever it is i don't care you know, they're gonna be susceptible to the knockouts because I get hit hard and put some damage on people and that's something I've been, been able to do in most of my fights here and uh as long as I've been able to uh you know be comfortable in there and do what I need to do, I've been I've been putting the damage on guys, and that's something I, uh, I plan on doing in this fight. It's something I uh, don't think will be a problem, no matter if he was susceptible to get knocked out or not.
0: Now, John, you and, and Anthony Parosh were originally going to fight, I think it was like last June, on a, on a fight night card, and then he got injured, so you ended up fighting Sean O'Connell. At that point, did you have much time to game plan for for Perosh, was he your opponent for any length of time before the replacement happened, or or uh, are you just kind of getting familiar with him for the first time now?
2: I'm um, kind of getting familiar for the first time now, but, I mean, to tell you the truth, we don't do a lot of game planning. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we kind of just go into a game, into a fight, thinking that as long as you fight the way you need to fight and the, fight the way, you know, you should, and you're, you're supposed to, and you've been training, Cam. You'll be fine, and he'll he'll make the adjustment to you. I, I do feel like I'm the I'm the more, you know, always feel like I'm the more physically dominating fighter that they're gonna have to adjust to me in there. So I'm not worried about adjusting to anything he does. I'm gonna make him adjust to what I do
0: now you've fought at heavyweight before you're you're a big 205 and and if i'm not mistaken i think this is going to be your first fight since the the iv ban uh, for weight cutting i don't know if you typically use ivs or not but just curious if uh you know you've made any special preparations or modifications leading up to this uh, fight week's weight cut knowing that there's some some new rules in place
2: yeah i'm I'm definitely uh don't you know enjoy the whole cut and weight thing <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, anyone who else who does this sport definitely doesn't really enjoy that part of it but uh yeah it's gonna stink not being able to use i v so it's something I didn't utilize before but um uh you know I've tried to get my weight down a little bit closer early on and I wasn't able to do that I wasn't able to get it down to where I want to. but being out here for whatever reason. I got light quick, uh, and I'm ahead of schedule right now, so I'm pretty happy with that. And I, I, you know, we'll see how I feel, you know, after the weigh-in and stuff like that. I know, and no matter what, the weight cut's always, uh, you know, a a tough thing. But uh, I think I'll be fine, and I've been feeling good, so. You know, it's always you never know until it actually the weigh-in actually comes. But I've been feeling great so far, and I'm ahead of schedule, so it's definitely an adjustment and not being able to use the IV and stuff like that. But I think I'll be fine.
0: Now this is going to be your third fight this year. Uh, you, you had a, a big uh, TKO win over Corey Anderson, and then you had the loss to Tom Lawler in July. You looked great in that first round, and then he he caught you in the second. Was that just a matter of 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 getting caught? Was there anything about about that particular performance that you you would have liked to have have done differently, how'd you feel coming out of that Lawler fight?
2: uh actually, I, I felt great. I mean, that to me, that was the best I had been fighting in the cage, and you know, in a good amount of time, like better than most of my wins. I thought I was actually feeling really really good the one thing i took away from it was that i just got a little too aggressive and i got out of control and i was going a little bit too much head hunting and and trying to finish the fight like right on the spot there
0: mm-hmm. which
2: was um you know kind of a mistake but he caught me with the perfect shot at the perfect time uh you know he can't say it's a lucky shot he meant to throw it but he uh he did the perfect shot at the perfect time, and I just got unlucky and landed at the perfect spot. So it's not something that I'm going to like, oh, i got to revamp everything and and change everything the way I do right now. No, I think it's something that it, I, I could build off of that. I was fighting great, and I, I just got caught, so. As long as I continue to fight like that, you know, victories are going to keep coming in there for me.
0: Now it's a it's a big couple of months for the Saro Longo camp where you train. We've obviously got your fight Saturday night with Anthony Perosh, and then in December, just a couple of weeks away, uh, one of your training partners, the UFC middleweight champion of the world, Chris Weidman, is going to be defending his title against Luke Rockhold on the co-main event of UFC 194 here in Las Vegas. I want to ask you about how preparations for that have been going, but but. I also want to ask you too, I may be mistaken, but maybe going back to the strikeforce days or something, don't you and Luke Rockhold have a little bit of a relationship or a friendship or something?
2: <laughs> uh yeah, I mean we uh we have the same manager and we uh we hang out a lot actually. He's a good yeah. he's a good buddy of mine too. But Chris is basically, you know, uh, is is pretty much my brother he's my best friend, and we've been through a lot we We started the sport together you know at the same time and so it's gonna be tough to watch you know to root against one of my friends or anything like that, and I'll be in the corner for Chris uh at his fight so it's gonna be you know it's, like i said it's gonna be tough i've never rooted against luke before but uh obviously i kind of have to with this fight yeah but uh you know he understands that and you know just like when uh one day when i get a chance to beat up his buddy cormier and take his belt he's probably ain't gonna be rooting for me but <laughs> it's uh it's okay you know we're, we're uh we're We're still buddies, and we've talked a little bit through our camp and you know just uh, making sure everything's going okay for him and that he's healthy and stuff like that and that uh you know it should be it should be a fun fight I look forward to being there and being able to
0: watch and and be in the corner and have have the best seat in the house do you think the chris Weidman versus luke Rockholt matchup is is one of the most handsome fights to ever take place in the u f c
2: <laughs> uh Well, yeah, they're definitely some good-looking cats for sure. <laughs> but I can't tell Chris that, you know. I'll, uh, it'll definitely go to his head a little too quick. So let's let's keep that between us. Now nah, he's a good buddy of mine, you know. And uh, you know, when the guys big strapping, you know, New York versus L.A. look kind of thing going on right now, so it should be a. Should be a cool fight. A lot of good storylines there, East Coast versus West Coast. You know, mm. Two of the top young guys, but They're both 31 years old. I mean, it, it's going to be just a, an awesome, awesome fight. I mean, I can't see this being the only time they fight. They'll probably fight a good three, four times in their careers.
0: I think you're right about that, and I'm looking forward to seeing that one live. Wish I was there with you guys uh, live this week in Australia, but we'll all be watching on pay-per-view. It goes down Saturday night, UFC 193 from Australia, headlined by uh, the greatest women's athlete, going uh, across the planet these days Ronda Rousey, but my guest John Vellante will take on Anthony the Hippo Parosh on that undercard. John, enjoyed the visit and uh, good luck in there Saturday night and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Ben.
0: We're talking UFC with uh, one of the guys who's going to be headed over to Australia to be a big part of that stadium card coming up uh, November 15th, UFC 193 A Trent Cotney fighter, who's a good sponsor here on uh, our radio show as well. It's Danny the Gremlin Martinez. Danny, how you doing, man?
3: Doing great, man.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you, and uh, i tell you what, uh, exciting opportunity for you headed over to Australia. Uh, you know, you're a guy who who made his UFC debut on real short notice against Chris Carriasso, and uh, that was a few fights ago, but I, I think for those of us who have watched you in this uh, flyweight division, uh, you know, you're, you're putting on some exciting fights. Uh, you know, you, you came into the organization on a four-fight win streak. You've dropped three straight. I know that means that this fight is very important for you, but as we know, all three-fight losing streaks are not created equal. A lot of times, there's some very competitive fights in there, and uh, you certainly fall into that category. Your Scott Jorgensen fight was a fight of the night candidate, a very close fight. So first, I kind of want to give you a chance to to speak to that. Obviously, you want to come out on the winning side of of any fight that you're in, but I'm guessing... That Sean Shelby and uh, the UFC has to be pretty excited with uh, some of what they've seen in your efforts so far in the organization.
3: Uh, yeah, well, my last three fights, uh, two of those fights were within ten days' notice. Um, the fight that was a camp was Scott Jorgensen, which was fight of the night. Yeah, um, that was a great fight. I felt like like we did a lot of what we had to do to push the fight to win. Uh, I knew he was a great wrestler. And going into that fight, I wanted to basically put him down and, and hurt him. Um, I wanted to set an example and, and basically drop him. And that's what I did. I I went out there to drop him. I dropped him. And then he went into wrestling mode and, and went through the fight, cruised through the fight with the victory. And and what I was thinking is I was going to just get up and, and do it again, do it again, do it again, which I did in the third round a couple of times. It just got up and then knocked him down again. But, um, I try to save my wrestling for my conditioning. I try to like save my conditioning, not wrestle with him. And then as soon as I got up, I would hit him again and knock him down, which I did, but, um, I didn't wrestle enough in that fight. And I believe that's why I lost the fight. And so this fight, I know, uh, Richard Chillick is man. His best, um, attribute is scrambling. So I've been working with Wilson, of course, and, and the guys here at Alliance to get better at my scrambling situations. And, um, to get back to my feet, is that's where I want to keep it, is on the feet with fight and I'm not going to make no um, hidden tricks or plays or anything. I'm just going to go standing, um, make it an exciting fight for the Australian fans. I know there's going to be over 70,000 fans, and I want to go out there and knock somebody out. I don't want to go through there cruising with a the, with the decision or anything, especially with the two, three fights, um, losing streak. I want to go out there in, in an exciting fashion.
0: Yeah, so so with, with two of those fights, like you said, being on short notice, it sounds like the UFC has been real fair with you about this, Danny. I mean, they've said, obviously, they always appreciate people stepping up on short notice, and it sounds like you've really been uh, respected in that sense, not only the fact that they're keeping you in the organization, but also they're making you a part of a, of a, of a really big card. I mean, this potentially uh, is going to be the, the most well-attended UFC fight in history. It's got to be... Pretty cool uh, to to know that they're they're tapping you to be part of that big stadium show.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm thankful that Sean Shelby chose me to like to give me this opportunity to fight in front of all the fans. That he's trusting me after my last fight, going out there on four days notice, and and really just throwing it down with the 135er, and um, that he believes in me, trusts in me to go out there and, and give something exciting to the fans. And I'm happy, especially with uh, a car with Ronda Rousey on it. But Ronda Rousey makes everything for the UFC that much better and and more exciting. I was on the Ultimate Fighter, tried out for it with her on it. And the amount of of people that saw that show, the one episode and recognize me now, it's a lot of people. So Ronda Rousey is going to make this show even better than it was before.
0: Absolutely. Now you train out of Alliance MMA, you mentioned uh Alliance of course there with Eric Delfiero, Dominic Cruz probably the the most notable uh uh yeah. product out of there. And uh I want to want to ask you about that, you know, um uh you know, there's been some changes around that camp uh but but that being said, Dominic is uh coming back. He's got a title shot against TJ Dillashaw. Uh so so I'm guessing the the mood around Alliance right now is 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 pretty upbeat and and forward thinking, yeah.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah, this is it's, um, the best it's been in, in a couple of years that I've noticed since I've been here for five years that the fact that the champ is coming back and, and we got guys like Phil Davis and, and Jeremy Stevens coming off victories and um, yeah. Pearson coming off their victories. Well, we're going full steam ahead and we're going to end the year off on a high note, especially with Dominic coming out in 2016. Um, Alliance is picking it up and I feel like we got a better team camaraderie right now with all the guys that are here. And, um, yeah 10 to
0: it's going to go on a high note. Uh, I know you just uh, you're, you're doing some training today. Kind of give me an idea, Danny, of you know what wh- how, how does training go at uh, Alliance MMA? I mean some of the names we're rattling off here, Dominic Cruz is you know within 10 pounds of your weight class. Uh, obviously yeah. Phil Davis a much bigger guy. Different camps handle that different ways. Sometimes you've got all the guys training together. sometimes it's the, 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 the oh, lower yeah. and the higher weight classes grouping together. How do you guys approach all that on a daily basis?
3: Well, all the pros come in together, and we all train together, of course. And uh, we have other guys that come into the gym. Like we got other great black belts, like Wilson Hayes, of course. And there's a great black belt on um, grappling days. That's definitely my partner to go with is Wilson Hayes. And, mm-hmm. and he pushes the pace more than anybody that I've ever gone with on the ground. And there's other guys behind the, the scenes that aren't pros but are amateurs, and they have black belts, brown belts, and all that as well, just that they're not known in the MMA world. And those are the ones that help out the pro practice the most is the guys that are like the ones that are not known in the world. So um we have a great room of guys like all around striking Muay Thai guys, black belts, brown belts and all that. So those guys help out the team more than all the guys that are known in the UFC. So um everybody comes together.
0: Now, I mentioned at the the outset of our interview, Danny, that uh, you're sponsored by TrentCotney.com, and he's a great sponsor here on the show. He's a, he's a personal friend of mine, and uh, oh yeah, and and I want to I want to ask you about the impact he has uh, on on your camp day to day because you know it, everybody knows we've talked so much uh, in the MMA media about the impact of the Reebok deal that has pushed uh, all the other sponsors outside of the octagon on on fight night, but guys like Trent who who most most notably, just recently worked here with my, my co-host on this show, Frank Mir, in his training camp, yeah. have found creative ways to stay involved. And it really looks like, Danny, you know, if, if a fighter is willing to be uh, creative and innovative and, and think of ways to keep their sponsors involved, guys like Trent want to stay involved and, and, and they can do it. And I kind of want to give you a chance to speak to that because it seems like you and Trent in a partnership are, are having one of those success yeah. stories yeah. in the post-Reebok era.
3: Yeah. Well me and Trent have actually been friends before. Um, we're well friends and uh the reason why I call them friend is because I have a gremlin's kids organization where I go to schools and talk to kids about bullying here yes. in uh, South Bay Chula Vista. And Trent um donates amounts of money to the to the organization every year so I can buy uh family turkey dinners around Thanksgiving and, and the holidays. So the past two years Trent has helped me with that and I've always told him the amount of appreciation that I have for him and and his family and for doing that. And last year I didn't fight once for the UFC, but I was underneath the contract and everything. Um, but I never had any sponsors, and Trent also helped me out with that when I just had a baby. He also helped me out with that, um, send money down to my family here in San Diego, and um, that was greatly appreciated too. So I just want to say, thank you to Trent. Like guys like that are, are the reason why fighters like me. Can still stay in that sport because, uh, man, without without the fights for a whole year, what income do we have? And uh, even though I made what 60, 70 grand for fight a night, that doesn't last really half you pay your coaches and all that stuff. So, trying to help me out after that and um, really kept me stable and my family up upfloat. So, um, I appreciate that. So, he's a great sponsor, a great friend of mine, and uh, he's always been there for me.
0: That's great. And it's great that you guys are able to continue to work together. The website, gremlinskids.org. If you want to see, uh, Danny's group and what he's talking about, Danny is, uh, the gremlin. Any, what now, now I assume being the gremlin that everybody is well aware of the issues that come along with feeding you after midnight, right? Nobody ever does that.
3: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, that was a nickname from uh Dominic Cruz a long time ago. We've been friends for a long time before fighting and, uh, they always said don't don't give me drinks after midnight. That's where the real government came from. So that's that's where I had a cutoff point before midnight, and and that was it. That's where the name came from. Uh,
0: <laughs> Danny, how how much have you been able to benefit? Obviously, training with Dominant Cruz goes without saying. Uh, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity. But but yeah. I have been saying for a long time that that you know what Dominant Cruz is. In addition to being a, a champion. He is to me one of the best analysts in all of mixed yeah. martial arts. This guy has an amazing ability to analyze yeah. what he's seeing, and I've got to think as a as a member of his camp that if if you ever have the uh, the the situation to go over tape with him and that kind of stuff, that's he's got to be really insightful.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It's like I knew he was a good coach and everything. Great coach over here at the gym. Like he's always close to team and everything on days like when he was. And injured and all that stuff, so I knew he was good at that, but, like, the analyst thing is a totally different story, like, you got a TV, you got a camera on you, and you got people looking at you, and you're looking at a camera, and he really does it well, and so when I first saw that, I was really surprised, like, me and my wife were at home, and we were really shocked the way that he really did go after it, and, and he did a great job, so, like, yeah, he's probably the best analyst in sports right now, like, for MMA, um, the way he does his, and the way he, like, breaks down the sports for people, like, that probably don't know anything about sports, about MMA and all that. So he does a great job on TV, and I give a jump for
0: that. You can follow Danny Martinez on Twitter at DannyMMA125, and uh, he will be in action at UFC 193 in Australia, that big stadium show November 15th, headlined by Ronda Rousey defending her Bantamweight title against Holly Holm. Uh, Danny, really appreciate the time, man. Anybody else we need to thank or mention here before we let you go?
3: I appreciate the help from uh, – Jason Carpell, of course, my manager, uh, keeping me in the UFC. I appreciate that. And Nuchasuma and Chen Connie, of course, a, a big friend of mine. Appreciate the help, man
0: more next we appreciate the time with Danny Martinez more next we'll keep talking mixed martial arts with you don't go anywhere you're listening to Phone Booth Fighting brought to you each and every week by Trent Cotney at TrentCotney.com and Real Water get real at DrinkRealWater.com myself Richard Hunter along with Frank Mir and Ricky Lundell not with us this week it's just myself and Frank uh, holding down the fort here at uh, Frank's residence Frank getting ready to head out to LA in just a matter of hours he's going to be part of the Fox uh, anchor team for UFC 193. You can see him on the uh, pre-fight show, prelims and all the rest of that. And then UFC 193 is live from uh, Melbourne, Australia, Saturday night exclusively on pay-per-view. Frank, uh, closer to home here, I mentioned earlier in the show that November 20th, uh, our sponsor Real Water is putting on another one of their fantastic Real MMA Mixed Martial Arts card. Uh, it's an amateur uh, card MMA and Muay Thai and they're doing it at uh, Samstown Casino here in Las Vegas Friday, November 20th and uh, we, we went to the last one. It was a lot of fun and uh, you're going to be doing uh, an appearance at this one, uh, meet and greet and some photos and things like that presenting the trophy to the main event winner. Tickets uh, start at just 25 And you can get those tickets by calling 702-284-7777. That's 702-284-7777. Those are available uh, through the Boyd Gaming Ticket Offices. But we have a pair of VIP tickets to give away, and those are going to be situated right behind you. I'm told, so uh, whenever you're uh, sitting there at the fights and you look over your shoulder, you'll uh, at least be—you'll uh, have the comfort of knowing that the couple of people sitting behind you are subscribers to our podcast. Because here's why: uh, we're going to give those uh, VIP tickets away uh, right now to somebody that hashtags get real uh rather i'm sorry drink real water hashtag drink real water you can put that on twitter instagram facebook hashtag drink real water and uh tag us in it on social media at the frank Mir, at richard hunter at ricky lundell uh and uh we'll see it we'll retweet it or uh regram it or whatever and we're going to select a, a random winner somebody right now who hashtags uh, drink real water on their social media. And then uh, if you can be in town on November 20th, you will join us for the real MMA mixed martial arts card and sit right behind Frank and uh, myself and Ricky. All right. That being said, uh, Frank, the uh, Bellator folks, Scott Coker and company, uh, you know, they, uh, ever since Scott Coker took over over there and I give him credit for this. He knows how to make some news. Um, you know he's he's not just putting on um, sideshow fights, uh, but he is realizing that uh, you know when when you can uh, bring Ken Shamrock in uh, at this point in his career that there's still a lot of fans that uh, the old school fans that will recognize the names, and so continuing with that theme. Coming up February 19th, uh, Bellator is going to be at the Toyota Center in Houston for Bellator 149. Their main event will feature the long-awaited trilogy fight between Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie. Shut up.
1: That's actually really cool, man. I mean, I'm smiling right now if anybody... (laughs) Yeah. Because... I'm honestly interested, mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean obviously it has no impact on the rankings in our sport, right. but as far as just nostalgia and just, you know, that is, uh, I mean, man, I remember I was 13 years old watching them go at it and, and thinking that here's this guy in the pajamas, you know. <laughs> Yeah, as they kept saying on the internet, uh, you know, fighting, you know, this, you know, just uh, specimen of a human being in a bikini. It was mm-hmm. a little odd, and I thought mm-hmm. he should wear more clothes. But physical, you know, powerhouse and Ken Shamrock, and watching the technique of jujitsu obviously had a huge impact on my life and, and yeah. what route I started going. But uh, wow, that is really super. Hey. I'm into it, man. I like it. I'll, I'll be watching. I'll tell
0: you what. I did a clinic with uh, Hoist Gracie came to uh, before I had uh, moved down here to, to, to Vegas and was still training up at Charles Gracie uh, Academy in Reno, uh, which, by the way, if you listen to us, on uh, our reno affiliate you hear the spot run for uh, charles gracie academy uh their their head black belt gary grade over there was a fantastic instructor for me so i certainly recommend everybody go check out charles gracie and reno and they also have a carson city location as well but Hoyce uh came in and did a, a seminar and uh i did that seminar with him and i boy still in fantastic shape i mean you know it's yeah, he
1: not lives a pretty clean lifestyle so yeah. what i've read about him as far as you know his, his diet and his yeah you know, fitness is very much a part of him uh, his family and uh, and uh, so i would assume so in fact i'd actually be kind of shocked if you told me that he was yeah grossly out of shape and couldn't move around i'd be disappointed in kind of uh what he uh in his family kind of preach and, and mm-hmm. advocate
0: no he looked great so uh you know it, it's fine. It's one of those things where if you look at the the situation that that Bellator is in and yeah, you know, some of these fights are going to get made and you're going to get a little bit of a chuckle out of them. But for every ken shamrock and and hoist gracie fight and kimbo slice and and these guys who i'm going to mention in a second uh you've got legit fighters over there i mean yeah. you've got you've got uh michael chandler you've got the pitbull brothers you've got uh daniel strauss who just just won uh uh their uh title off of uh uh one of the pitbull brothers this past weekend um you know, they're But the thing is, those are not household names. How are you going to get more yeah. eyeballs to watch those? It's kind of like we talked about this weekend. You know, people are going to come to that pay per view for Ronda Rousey. Hopefully, they're going to go away remembering Joanna Jacek. You know, uh, how how? But how do you set that table? Well, you 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 create a buzz fight. You know, like this, Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock, uh, something that you can market, and it's got a great story and a great history behind it. And then, uh, but then the onus is on you as a promoter to put on other quality fights uh, on that undercard. Now, another fight they're going to put on there, uh, speaking of Kimbo Slice, is uh, Kimbo Slice fighting DeFear Harris, a.k.a. Dada 5000. Now, all I know about Dada 5000 is that he was the one-time... Bodyguard for Kimbo Slice when he was doing all these street fights, you know, when he'd show up and knock over the barbecue grill in your backyard while yeah. he fought on YouTube. So Dada 5000 has something to do with that and oh. that that world. And so they were once friends and now they're not. And now they're going to fight on hmm. Bellator. Storyline. behind
1: <laughs> Hey, You know what? Fighting at the end of the day. I mean, obviously, there's a pure martial arts aspect where yeah. you're out there, you know, and the fighters and why we do it is to compete and go out there and push mm-hmm. ourselves and, and to, uh, you know, test ourselves and all the uh, qualities that, you know, that we uh, definitely, I think, uh, adore and, and love. But at the same time, you know, if you want to make, you know, income off of it, it's an entertainment sport. It's yeah. no different than a, you know, a person going up there singing or playing a, you know an instrument or a comedian. If people want to watch you, That's where the money comes in. And so this mixture of putting on fights that draws people's attention, um, you know, Bellator, the different names we've just gone through that are actually phenomenal fighters and they're in their prime moving up didn't draw my interest as a, another martial artist unless i hear about you know a phenomenal maneuver pulled off or a fight i'll go back and look at it there's just so many fights nowadays as a m- mainstream fan sometimes it's hard to keep up with everything i mean mm-hmm. you watch every fight and you better be single with no kids I mean, um, yeah you know there's a lot going on out there um or you're such as yourself where you can make money off of it. So now you right, can right. justify to Jen that you're uh, That's right. <laughs> I'm working. You're working. I'm working here. I'm <laughs> watching
0: Dada 5000. <laughs> right? This is my job. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that
1: being said, um, uh, the Kimbo and uh, uh, Hoist Gracie fight, or excuse me, uh, Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Man, that is just, I am so marking that on the calendar and I yeah. will be watching it.
0: Yeah, Uh, you know this uh, is is an interesting quote from uh, from Kimbo about this fight. Of course, he's gonna you know we're gonna have to do some explaining to everybody about who Dada Five Thousand is as we get closer to February. But I like this. He had this quote. Frank uh, Kimbo Slice gave this to uh, MMAfighting.com. Uh, I'm going to f this guy up. I'm I'm um, I'm editing there, but uh, you get an idea. Yeah, uh, I think
1: it'd be kind of weird to hear Kimbo use the word
0: f. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, or guy, he didn't call him that either. But uh, he said uh, I'm going to f this guy up. Don't get me wrong. I'm open to all possibilities in an MMA fight, including submissions. I'm not a gambling man, but if I had to bet my house on something. I think it would be that between Kimbo Slice and Dada five thousand, this fight will not end in a omoplata.
1: True, <laughs> but I have seen uh, Kimbo try to lay on a guillotine and, and fights in the past. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. wrap the head and, and. You're right. If Kimbo was fighting a uh, a, a person even of B level caliber, yeah. um, the idea of him throwing out a submission would be laughable at best. But uh, him fighting somebody else on that level of them slipping and falling around, I could see you know, a, a guillotine maybe, uh you know, uh, definitely you're right. I'm seeing a guy pull pivot on the, uh, inside his guard and, and pull mm-hmm. off an you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, imagine Kimbo throwing up a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: What I can see is like, like between between Kimbo and Dada 5000, that it, it it might be so difficult that, you know, there would be time for both corners to try to compete to explain how to secure the triangle. Like, you know, oh, you absolutely. got the Okay, no, no. This is no, definitely no, a throwback. No, to like Now bring the arm across the throat bring no no his no his other arm bring that that other
1: arm (laughs) people if you want to see how watching you know we talk about me going to the fights here november 20th in town the real water event yeah um i have no problem going to events now on that level you know where you see the amateur fights i am captivated i'll watch you see amateurs that if they 10 to 15 years ago would be champions with the skill level they have now, just how true. much the, the sport has evolved. No, you, that's true. You don't see guys doing things where, I mean, there's still the occasional amateur in his first couple of fights, you watch do something, you're like, oh, man, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, guys are already blue belts, purple belts in jiu-jitsu, amateur boxing level, wrestled in college, You know, and they're putting their game together. Or you see guys that don't have any of the above credentials, but they come from a good MMA gym where they're training with high-level guys it's not painful to watch anymore. I, I mean, there was a time, you know, I'd go to fights, you know, you know, 2006, 2007, the sport's still taking off and on the amateur level, it was painful sometimes mm. to watch some of these bouts. You just sit there and go, you know, and then my wife leans over and she goes, how come he does I'm like, babe, I don't know. He's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, shouldn't he just, yes, he <laughs> should, babe. Yes, you're right. My wife, who doesn't yeah. get on the mat but just watches, has more knowledge on martial arts. Of you know, Why doesn't he just, why what's he, i don't know babe i don't know what he's doing yeah. but I'm going yeah. nuts here watching it you know mm-hmm. whereas uh you know that's not the case anymore they're all exciting technical fights now True. but this type of fight kimbo could be one of those type of fights with a dada where I have a hard time sometimes watching you know you see two guys that just are not extremely uh versed in the martial arts world and it just it's it's rough you sit there and go what is he doing mm-hmm. why are you doing that like have you not uh, you know, it, it can be frustrating. That I'm like, oh, this... You know, it, 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 when people ask me, like, well, how would you do in a street fight? I'm like... Have you watched any people who fight that only have, like, a year of experience, let alone no experience? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it, it's bad. It hurts.
0: Coming up next, we're going to uh, play a couple of interviews. I had a chance to talk to a couple of guys who uh, are going to be fighting on the undercard Saturday night at UFC 193. Uh, Gian Vellante, he's going to be taking on Anthony the Hippo Parosh, and then also a Trent Cotney-sponsored fighter, Danny Martinez. Uh, we'll talk to both those guys uh, coming up next on – phone booth fighting don't go anywhere okay and then i just want to do a wrap we're going to wrap the show right here here we go three two one that's going to do it for another edition of phone booth fighting uh, myself and frank mir have had the pleasure of being here with you ricky lundell not with us on this week's show but uh i'm sure we'll be back with us next week you can follow us all on social media at the frank mir at ricky lundell and at richard hunter on twitter and instagram don't miss frank this saturday night as part of the UFC's uh, analyst team, he'll be at the Fox desk in LA for the the uh, undercard. And and and- the, uh-
1: yeah, we'll do a pre-show and a post-fight show.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're doing weigh-ins as well, right? Yes. And so, so that's probably like Karen Bryant. Do you know yes. the other fighters that yeah, you're going to be with?
1: Rashad and uh, uh, DC.
0: Oh, that's a good team. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real Both, good team.
1: Everybody's real knowledgeable, so it'll be, it's going to be fun. I'll, yeah. Uh, yeah, and if uh, anybody has a problem with how I pronounce things, uh, mm-hmm. they can uh,
0: <laughs> reach out to my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's a couple of hours my, before... My uh, coach. Yeah, yeah. It's a
1: couple of... <laughs> <laughs> what do they call that, a speech therapist? Like uh, a... <laughs> Hey, look, let me just put out there real quick. My father came from Cuba. Uh English is his second language. I'm not bilingual. I understand Mm -hmm. a little bit of Spanish. I can get myself through, you know, when I went to Cuba, I could get myself to a restaurant, you know, and I sound bad, Mm -hmm. but I can, you know, stumble my way around. But for whatever reason, being raised by a guy, and my mom, you know, that English was their second language, yeah. even though they didn't instill Spanish hardcore into me, man, there's some times where I'll say some words and my kids now going to private school, look at me and go, daddy, that's... <laughs> I, almost like that uh, on, uh that one meme from uh, uh the Princess Bride where they sit there and go I don't think that word means what you think it means yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's you know, maybe what you could do is just like have the have the the earpiece on and I'll just dial in you know yes. and just be in your ear well if I know? go back on
1: facts too because yeah. I mean that's the only thing that I mean I, about the international fights yeah you know when we have a fights down in Australia they have the fights in the UK. We have fights in the US or Canada, Brazil. I know all the fighters. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when they, we go, or, you know, they go overseas and obviously, you know, they want to pull off local guys and yeah. have them go in there. And there's some guys in the lower card that I mean, I'm not super familiar with. It. I mean, the first time I'm going to watch their fights is studying for the fight. So mm-hmm. having somebody such as yourself, you know, that's why I'm like, hey, man, stay here a few more extra minutes, man. I, I got a couple notes, you know, yeah. print it out. Tell me what you think. Cause yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, an Anthony Piroche, even though he's a local, I know a lot about. You know, he was a main, you know, a fighter in the UFC before. You know, uh, you know, dropping out of 205 and and having the card in Australia, he's been around for a little bit. But some of the other guys, I'm just like, I'm looking at, you know, I'm like, oh, okay,
0: this is. Gonna- I'm telling you, as long as we can get through this weekend without you calling Valerie Laterno, Mary Kay Laterno, it'll be a win.
1: Yeah, or Torneo. That's yeah, what I Tornio. want.
0: <laughs> you know, the other thing too that hurts me is yeah. that
1: I'll research and read. But I don't listen to sometimes the intros of fights. I fast yeah, forward yeah, and yeah. I go right to the fight. Now I'm realizing, yeah, I should probably listen to the commentators say mm-hmm. their names. Mm-hmm. But you know, to me, when you have to watch 35 fights, and you only have three or four hours to try to fit in. I'm doing a lot of scrubbing on the thing. Where yes. I don't have time to listen to a two or three minute intro on each person. So I'm like, I got to see the fight. And then as I'm watching, I mean, this I'll skip the end. I'm like, okay, this fight ends a rear naked choke. Okay. He has his back. Okay. I don't need to see anymore. Mm-hmm. Boom. Go to the next one. You know? mm-hmm. This is where yeah. it goes.
0: Yeah. People will be like, I'll be over there in the, uh, in the green room with you. People are like, what is that? Like is frankly like kind of uh, a hypnotist. What is that over there? And I'll be like, the word is n- <laughs> the word is Nama Namajunas. <laughs> that's another one that gives me a hard time,
1: <laughs> Rose man. You know, it's funny is when I commented on the WEC. Yes. W- certain fights, like I remember Injukwani. Injukwani. Right now, that's ingrained in me. You know how yeah. many days it took for me to say <laughs> that name properly, and then I was scared to death because it wasn't like i had to say that in a pre fight and a post fight i had to do that live yeah. and they're saying okay as the fight goes on i'm like can i just call him anthony as i'm describing yeah. the takedown defense or a head kick he's about to throw no you got to say his whole name yeah like, are you serious <laughs> i have to be excited and analyze fights and i got to pronounce it. Yeah. i felt like i was doing the pat my belly stand on one foot rub my you uh-huh. know
0: yeah. Ah, so, so you'll be able to watch that show for free uh, before the pay-per-view uh, when Frank does the uh, the weigh-ins and the pre- and post-fight on the Fox desk so that'll be this Saturday so uh, join us next week of course we'll be talking about everything that happened at UFC 193 Frank's trip to uh, LA and how the whole uh, fight card played out hopefully Ricky will be back with us then as well thank you for joining us uh, another week of phone booth fighting remember uh, if you're listening to us terrestrially in the Reno or Las Vegas markets we appreciate you know that you can subscribe to phone booth fighting as a weekly podcast as well in itunes or at phoneboothfighting.com and the absolute most helpful thing you can do to us or do uh, for us, rather, is uh, share the word with MMA fans. Tell them about the Phone Booth Fighting podcast, turn them on to it, and get them to subscribe as well. Give it a uh, five-star rating, and uh, if you have a moment, maybe write us a favorable review. That's how it's going to keep us at the top of the listings for MMA-related broadcasts. For Frank Mir and for Ricky Lundell, I'm Richard Hunter. We'll see you right back here next week for another edition of Phone Booth Fighting.
1: Everybody was comfy. But they fought with